The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Uh, for the opportunity that we have to sing your praise, and we do sing your praise, Father, and we're thankful that we can sing your praise for endless days. We rejoice uh, thinking about a month uh, coming up when we celebrate that stone being rolled away, thinking about uh, eternity and your return and the promises that we have there. Lord, we do sing your praise. Uh, I pray that you'd continue to be lifted up in our presence now as we look at your word. Amen. You may be seated. I have to give a special thank you to Adam for planning my day when he mentioned the Wizard of Oz this afternoon. My wife hit me and said, you didn't tell me. So apparently I will be going to the Wizard of Oz this afternoon. Who wanted to watch basketball anyway? Such a temporal, uh, invaluable thing that I will be giving up. Hey, uh, one of the greatest things that I get to do here, I, I, I actually I think maybe the greatest thing I get to do here is when I get to come on Sunday mornings and I get to talk about a, an astounding, amazing truth about God and try to uh, take it and, and relate it to our lives, how, how we do that. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned the word propitiation. That's a nice little $10 word. But, uh, you know, that is a theological concept. But what it talks about is the whole idea that, that God's wrath, the wrath of somebody who has been wrong, has been completely satisfied. And I was thinking about how much that applies to my life, even what Adam was, was saying about, you know, well, how can God be pleased with us? You know, we're, we're such a mess all the time. He can because of the work of Jesus Christ, that God's wrath to sin has been completely satisfied, and that, that is taken care of. So I stand complete in him. I stand saying because of the blood of Jesus and nothing but the blood of, blood of Jesus, I have new life. That's awesome. Well, today, our concept is the idea of being redeemed. That's a little bit more for a familiar word. We're going to talk about redemption. It is the uh concept that uh, really it means being saved, that God reached down into the place where we were. He came down to our level when we couldn't get up to him, and he came and he met us there, and he rescued us from the price of sin and death. That's what redemption is. But we get to go a step further today because this new life that he gives us when we are redeemed now abides in us through his Holy Spirit. Okay, and therefore we can live redemptively. Now, there is a, a movie that was just out called uh, Redeem, Redeeming Love. Redeeming Love is based on a Francine Rivers book, and it goes into the story of Hosea from the Bible from the Old Testament. I don't know if you're familiar. It's, a, it's an interesting story, a little different story. Uh, it, I, I love it partly. Now I have a grandson named Hosea, and his name means salvation. But in the story, God tells the prophet to go, and this, the words of Scripture is, take a wife of the whoredoms. In other words, marry a prostitute. And, uh, and he does do that. Her name, by the way, is Gomer which uh, my son's a little quirky. When he named his son Hosea, I was a little worried when he had a little girl, what we are going to get, you know. What's her name? Gomer. Okay. Uh, but we didn't. we didn't. We didn't go that route. We're safe. But the, uh, the story is just a picture of God's redeeming love, that God steps into the place where we are, 
And uh, that's what Hosea did, and he took her as his bride, and he redeemed her. And when she walked away into adultery and into whoredoms, he continued to pursue her and said, this is how I love my people, this is how I go after them. Just a, a beautiful story of redemption. Well, we are going to again talk about how that redemptive quality of God is now in us through God's Holy Spirit. And he has called us to a redeeming life or to a redemptive lifestyle or to redemptive living. Now, I figured when I started studying this, I love this title, Redemptive Living. Sometimes, you know, I get excited about simple things. Uh, but I thought there has to be a book called Redemptive Living. So I looked it up. I do not think that there is. I could not find one anywhere. So I wanted to tell you the first book I'm going to write uh, is going to be called Redemptive Living. Uh, I, I thought that looked pretty good, Dr. D.E. Thomas. I don't actually have a doctor's degree, but I thought it looked better. Uh, so I gave myself an honorary doctorate degree. You know, I did, uh, I do part-time bus driving for an educational institution, so I think I can bestow an honorary doctorate degree on myself. Uh, so we did that there. You pretty, could I have some pre-sale commitments to buy my book? Okay, good, good. Just a couple. Okay, good. We're started. I, I appreciate that. But actually, I never really liked, thought my name was all that impressive. I hate to say it. So I decided to have a pen name. Okay, and I always thought the guy that was pastor here before me's name was Thaddeus. Okay, I always thought that name sounded incredibly smart. I, I really thought if my mom had named me Thaddeus, I'd been a lot smarter. Uh, so we're going to change my name. I like the name Ironside. I always did. So this will be my first book that you, that you want to look for, Dr. Thaddeus Ironside and Redemptive Living. Uh, I like to, you know, we'll do some pre-orders in the lobby afterwards, and then someday I'll actually write an introduction to that book. But the theme of Redemptive Living, we are going to look at from the book of Peter that we have been studying, where in chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in verse number 12, and we're actually going to read into chapter 3, into the first couple verses of chapter 3. If you're looking in your Bible, you might have that chopped up, you know, in different sections with different subtitles. Please remember, those are something man put in there to help us and uh, help us guide our way through, and sometimes they're not quite right. And I don't know that, I think sometimes we've chopped up something that all belongs together. And this definitely, I think, belongs uh, together beginning in verse number 12. We're going to take some time. Uh, to read through the whole section and then go back through it, through it in, in detail. Uh, the, the Peter wrote to them, again, he's already explained to them, you have this new life in Christ. This is what has happened. He, he's talked to us a little bit about what it looks like to live this new life. But he's going to continue down that theme, and he's going to say, keep your condu conduct among the Gentiles. Uh, in some translation, it uses among the pagans. It's saying among those that are without God in, this, uh, in, in a lost world, keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and they may glorify God in the day of visitation. That the day will come, I want you to live in such a way, keep your conduct right, so that they will someday glorify God too. That's, that's the goal that we're after here. And then he goes on, verse number 13, be subject uh, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Okay, here's how you do this. Here's how you live this redeeming life. Be subject to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent to them, uh, to those who punish uh, those who do evil and praise those who do good. I wanted to throw a quick little aside in here. In our world in which governments seem to have an ever-expanding role, uh, they take more and more, they move into more and more of our lives. When you look in Scripture for the role of government, this is pretty much what you find. Uh, this is also in Romans chapter 12. You will find the government is to punish evil 
and reward good. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, just so our, you know, what is the basis of government? That's what it is really designed to do. I think it continues to expand and think it has the answers for everybody's life, but we won't go there today because... Anyway, uh, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish man. Okay? I'm sorry, foolish people. Live as people who are free. Now, right there, just take those words, and we'll take them totally out of context for a second, because we love that idea, don't we? Now, we're going to put them back in context here in, in a minute, but don't we love freedom? Don't, I mean, isn't that just a fun word? No, anybody? Come on, freedom! I, I don't know what you see. Do you see uh, William Wallace riding his horse through the uh, Scotland, screaming freedom? Freedom? Do you see Andy Dufresne, who just crawled out of Shawshank Prison uh, through the chain? What's that? Yeah, uh, and he crawls out there, and he gets into the stream, and that's a free. He's been falsely imprisoned for all these times. So, I mean, we love the word freedom. I love picturing the bandstand with the band playing God Bless America and people waving flags. Uh, we love this concept, but we get a little confused about freedom sometimes, and the Word of God says that uh, you don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Hold on a second. So you mean freedom doesn't just mean I can do whatever I want? No, freedom says you have the power now to do what's right. You have the power to swim against uh, upstream. You don't have to go with the flow. You don't have to be a slave to your Look at, uh, to our, your own passions, to your natural inclinations. You don't have to do that anymore. You can now live free as servants of God. And when you do that, you are to honor everyone. You are to love the brotherhood. You are to fear God. You are to honor the emperor. Servants, now we move into another thing here. He says, servants, you are to be subject to your masters. By the way, that word servants there in some translations comes across as low, if you want to say a harsher word, a word that is not politically correct, but the word is slaves. Okay? The Bible never uh, condone slavery, but it does speak into slavery, for the Bible speaks into the lives that people lived, and many were in slavery. The Bible you know, spoke right into the real world that they faced there, and it says, you are to be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> can do good when things are easy. What credit is it if when you, you sin, when you, uh, when you sin, you're beaten for it, you, you still endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, then you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example, so that we may follow in his steps. Let's read some about it. his example. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. I uh, did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued in, entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we, might not, uh, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Likewise, now this is the first couple of verses of chapter 3, likewise, so it is tied in here. So I don't want to pluck out of context free, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. That's out of context. we got to see what this freedom he's talking about. Uh, this is another phrase that gets uh, taken out of context sometimes. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of you do not, not obey the word, even if they do not obey the word, they may be one, 
without a word by the conduct of their wives when they are respectful and pure uh, out of your respectful and pure conduct. Okay, let me back up here for a second. What our passage here, here does as we examine what it means to live redemptively, to live with that message of the Redeemer, to live with the presence of the Redeemer in our lives, uh, you could see in the first verse we read, it talked about that others would see and glorify God. And then we read down a little bit further and it talked about the whole idea of those who have been lost, God is going to bring them back to the shepherd. And look how it ends here. It is talking about these husbands will be one. And it gives us so much that purpose of living a life. Again, God is the Redeemer who reaches into where we are and brings us out and saves us. Well, we get to be part of that mission as he is now part of our lives. And we're going to see that as we go through. So, uh, the first thing that we see in this story is the environments in which you are to live redemptively. Okay, now I got to encourage you. Stay with me, okay? Well, really work. Whatever you have to do, slap yourself in the face or anything like that, because there might be some things early in this that you're like, I don't know where he's going with this. I don't know where the Bible's going, and I'm not crazy about this. Please stay with me. It is very important that we, that we get to the end. In fact, I'd even say this. If you do intend to daydream, come back at the end, okay? I'll give you a wave, okay? Now it's time to listen again. Make sure you don't miss this. But uh, if you look at this passage where he's talking about the environments in which people are to live redemptively, number one, I, I put the word community, but just the whole idea he talks about government. Remember, submit to government, okay? And even if government is wrong. Now, I just want us to connect with the people Peter was writing to at the time. The Roman emperor is, the Roman empire is in charge, okay? Things are not particularly good. The tax rate is unbelievable. The tax rate is multiple times what it was in colonial America where they rebelled. Now, today, it's multiple times that, but well, I won't get into that. But the, the, uh, but the, tax, <laughs> the tax rate that they faced, the Roman Empire, you think about what they lived with as far as the persecution of Rome. He's writing to them, and he's saying, hey, this is the situation you're in. You can still live as free people, even though uh, the, the government, if you will, the, the community in which you live is, is fighting against that. Then he, he talks to the slaves or the servants, so we could say you can still live as free people even in a world where you have a terrible working situation. Now, I don't want some of you to amen or anything like that, especially if you work for somebody in the room. Uh, you know, hey, that's me. I have a terrible working situation. But we know, and maybe, uh, I mean, I hear this all the time, maybe more than normal right now because of the labor shortage or whatever like that, that some working conditions are rough. I mean, people are being asked Hey, we, we got to keep this going. You got to go over and, and, and work a lot harder. I, I did mention I, I substitute bus drove a route, was that Wednesday or Thursday of this week? And it, uh, it actually, in other years when I've driven, it was two and a half routes. In other words, it, was, I, it combined two routes and then added some other stops because they're so short on drivers that these people have to work so, so much harder than to have a packed-out bus. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, for many of us, that's what happen, has happened in our jobs, and the job gets hard and it's tough. So he is speaking to people that were slaves, okay? So they were owned. So, so he's saying you can live in freedom even in that situation. He also then is talking about, you know, a situation at home that is not good. 
Um, it doesn't really go into the idea that the, the spouse is abusive, but it does say that the spouse is a non-believer, which right away begins with a disconnect as far as home goes and, uh, you know, and, a, and a friction that has to be there. And you, you kind of get the idea that the husband isn't what he should be and wives, you are to still submit. So in this situation, uh, uh, none of which are ideal, none of which we would uh, want to jump into, the apostle writes to them, and Peter says, hey, you can still live as free people, and you can still live this life of redemption. Uh, they can be one in that way. Now, stay with me, okay? Let's go on to the most important part of the sermon. Not only do we look at the environments where they are called to this redemptive living, but we have in this text an example. So I'm going to reread some of the verses because those that focus on Jesus Christ, I want you to think about with me before we even go into pulling them apart. Uh, let's reread a little bit here. For what credit is it when you sin and beaten for it, you endure? But if when you are good and gracious for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing. Uh, I'm sorry, I know I killed that a little bit. In the sight of God, for to this you have been called because why? Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. So let's explore this example of Christ, that you might follow his steps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued, well, how did he do that? Well, he was entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed, quote from Isaiah 53, for we were straying like sheep and we have not uh, and but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of our souls. Okay, let's look at his example of living redemptively. Okay? First of all, the Bible says that he did not sin and there was no deceit. Okay? This is one uh, I'm sorry, this isn't the comeback. You can still daydream if you're, if you're bound and determined to do it, but this is good. Okay, I want to jump up and down a little bit and, and focus on this there. Step number one, it says about Jesus, how did he live? Well, there was no deceit. Now, I think this is very important because many times when there's conflict, they say the truth is the first casualty of conflict. Okay, Jesus did not change his message. Are, they say you're the son of God. Are you the son of God? As you have said, I am. Now, that wasn't popular. That wasn't what they wanted to hear. That might not have been what got him a, more of an audience at the time, but he is going to stay committed to telling the truth. The temptation that we have sometimes, and, and listen to this, sometimes because we, we just want to, you know, keep everybody around and be friendly, and a pastor faces this temptation, but we all do in life. Uh, we need to, oh, we need to spin the truth a little bit to make people more comfortable. And Jesus started with the truth and a commitment to truth. And, and uh, I love the story of Daniel in the Old Testament where uh, Daniel is a great example of somebody who dealt with a conflict with authority because, you know, he faced all types of orders not to obey God and things like that, and he was faithful and God blessed him. It's, it's an awesome story. But at the beginning of the story, the, the phrase is this, Daniel purposed in his heart. And others, he made up his, his mind. So the first thing that we start with, if we're going to follow his example, if we're going to redemp live redemptively, no deceit. 
Okay, we're not going to deceive. We're not going to move away from the truth whether people like it or not. And there is no guarantee in what we do that everybody's going to love what we do. But we want to start with that commitment to the truth because otherwise we become people pleasers and we're trying to tell everybody what they want to hear, uh, thinking, oh, you know, this will keep them around church and this will keep them uh, open and everything like that. So I have to kind of lie and spin the truth. No, Jesus started by saying uh, with no deceit. Okay, he's going to tell the truth. Okay, that's good. I don't care who you are. Uh, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm going to say that again. Jesus started telling the truth. Somebody say like amen or something. I'm going to do it one more time. Uh, okay, yeah. We, we need to start with that foundational principle. We're committed to doing what is right. We're committed to doing the truth. Okay, second thing that we see in here about Jesus, and we could make the list longer, but there's no revenge. Okay, now this goes against, again, we are free not to go with the flow and do what is acceptable and follow my own inclinations. And this goes against our inclinations. Okay, we always think, it's a, those of you that are football fans, you watch a football game and somebody's getting in trouble because he threw a punch or whatever like that. You go back and you watch the tape and you always see that he's the guy that threw the second punch, but that's the one the ref's caught. And you think, well, that's not right. It's okay to throw that punch if somebody else threw one first. I mean, little kids say that all the time. What are they, what? And we, we feed it because we start with this question. Who started this? Doesn't matter how you're behaving. Somebody else started it. We're allowed to retaliate. We have that mindset. So the idea of not retaliating goes against our very nature. The idea of living a redemptive life by not seeking revenge goes against our very nature. And this is a freedom that we can walk in uh, because of the power of God in our lives. Okay, now let's go to the next one, though. How did he do this? It says he trusted. He trusted. Oh, let me, let me, let me back up for a second. Let's talk about this revenge for one second. We are, we are familiar with the phrase, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I want you to think about what WCJD, what could Jesus do for a second? Would you imagine Calvary? Now, I, you know, maybe I'm, my imagination is running wild here, but I'm seeing the Son of God on the cross, I envision angels with their hands on a sword going, now, now can we avenge him? These guys that are mocking our king, can we avenge him now? Can you imagine if Jesus had called those angels the scorched earth that would Calvary of what would have been? But he didn't. He didn't retaliate. He had come to lay down his life. Okay, so this is our example. Uh, this one who has laid down his life for us. How did he do it? By trust. It says he trusted the one who judges justly. God is just, and he knew that God would set things right. If we attempt to right all the wrongs in our lives, we do not have enough time to do it. Okay? We have to learn to trust the wrongs to the one who does all things right. We have to learn to trust him with some injustices, some insults, and some injuries, or we're going to spend our whole life getting even. And not the pretty way that we want to live. Another thing that I, I wrote, I just thought of this, is that Jesus absorbed the pain. When it describes his suffering on the cross, by his stripes we are healed. Okay, by his stripes. When I absorb the pain and the injustice of something, it ends there. In other words, instead of retaliating, instead of keeping it going, instead of escalating the system, when I, uh, the, the whole fouled up mess, instead of escalating that, what I have done is I have absorbed the pain, and therefore it ends with me. Okay, and I, and I, I can 
be redemptive in my life by doing that. By his stripes we are healed. Jesus died that we might, the, the, the phrase was, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That was his purpose. That's what he was after. And my freedom is the right to swim against the current, not to be enslaved by my natural impulses, and I do not have to live uh, that way where I escalate the situation. I can live like Jesus and live redemptively. The third point, I guess, that I'll put up there is the idea of having the end in view. And I want to go back to this purpose again. Remember, Jesus stated that ultimately, the first thing he says is, I want you to live this life out in Christ so that others will glorify me and others will come to me. And then he talks about, I believe in verse number 25, he talks about the idea of the coming back to the shepherd. And then even when he's talking to the wives, he says that they could be one. I think it is very important that we think about this question with the end in view. What action will give grace the best opportunity for a breakthrough? I think, my, I, think I overdid grace in my writing there. But uh, what action will give grace the best opportunity to break through? Now, here's where I said I want you to come back to me if I have, you say, wait a minute, Pastor, um, what are you saying there? Okay, so I'm, you're saying basically Christians are to be doormats. You know what I mean? We're, we're just, just, you just take it. You just absorb the pain. Uh, you just get stepped on over and over again. Uh, where do I get to the place? Where can I understand? And, and here, here's what I want to throw at you and stuff like that. A prayer that I think we have to have with this is to have wisdom. Because... Okay, Peter, think about his life for a second. The guy that's writing this, some of you remember the story when they came to take Jesus in the garden. Remember what Peter did? <laughs> Grabbed a sword and cut off a guy's ear. We're, we're fighting over this thing, and, and Jesus told him, hey, not the time for that, Peter. That's not what we're doing here. But does that mean that all that we are ever supposed to do is take it? All that I am ever supposed to do is absorb it. I would say No. I would say that we have to have a great deal of wisdom because we have to discern the times when we are to absorb the pain and we have to uh, discern the times when it is better for us to stand up. And the question we ask is, I'm sorry I miswrote that up there, but what action will give grace the best opportunity to break through? Okay, which path should I take? Because there are other principles in the Word of God that give us good cause to defend ourselves, to de defend our families, uh, to stand up. You know, so, Pastor, are you saying no matter what the government does, you just take it? No matter what the boss does, you can never change jobs. No matter what your husband does, you have to just stay and submit, no matter, you know, how abusive or anything like that. And I would say to you, no, I am not saying it. But what I am saying is, if we're going to live redemptively, we're going to ask this question here, what is the best course to, to take? And ask God uh, to show us what is the best way to open the opportunity for grace in this situation. I hope that's making some sense. You say, well, Pastor, but, but when you see it clearly, wait a minute, you know, Jesus has laid down his life. You are absolutely right. He came to die. He came to absorb, the, absorb that hurt and pain. That's exactly what he did. But if I just take, but I believe I'm taking this truth out of context to say that means in every situation, Christian, you are to be the doormat and you are to lie, lay down. Because like I said, there are other principles in the Word of God. So what I want to encourage you to do is pray, dear God, give me wisdom as to what is the best way. And sometimes the best way will be to absorb the pain. 
And sometimes the best way will be to say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't best for anybody. I need to stand up against this injustice. Sometimes it will. But I want to go back to this being my motive, which is ultimately uh, the goal of this text, that others would glorify God, that others would be one, that others, that lost sheep would come back to him. That's what we're after in redemptive living. So we, we ask ourselves that question, what would be best there? And, and want to make sure that our purpose is right. Listen. Um, when you go to a little preacher school, I always like to talk about that occasionally so that you know I went. <laughs> I don't think he ever went. Uh, but, you know, I actually did. I, I had these classes. One, one's called uh, homiletics, where you, uh, you kind of study about putting together sermons. And one's called hermeneutics, where you study this guy named Hermit. No, you, uh, uh, where you, you learn to dig into the Scripture and take, take it and apply it. I actually had those classes. <laughs> I just repeat that every once in a while because people have serious doubts. Uh, but, uh, but in the process of the, you know, studying how to put together a sermon, one of the things they always do is they say, hey, you know, you want to work on application. In other words, you know, one of the questions you ask yourself, okay, how does this apply? How can we live this out like that? And, and I always want to do that, but yet at the same time, I am hit with the idea that I'm not God's Holy Spirit. And I have known pastors, I, I don't know how else to say this, this is kind of nasty, but they weaponize Scripture. Have you ever experienced that? I got something I want to say. I'm going to find some Scriptures to say it. If somebody criticized my wife, I'm preaching against gossip, and I got ten verses to tell you why gossip is wrong. Uh, you know, it's that type of mentality. You know, my kids are in trouble. Well, we need to talk about forgiveness <laughs> uh, and mercy for my because my kids in trouble. You know that I've I've seen situations like that, so I'm very sensitive to that, and I try to you know when I talk about this, I try to stop short of saying, okay, now then here's what that means to you. That means you ma'am, need to stop watching this TV show. And you need to stop, whatever, going out dancing on Tuesday nights. Why would anybody dance on Tuesday night? I don't know. Uh, but you know what I mean? And, and sometimes you get where it's like, I think I have to play Holy Spirit and I have to apply this to everybody. And, uh, or I'm weaponizing Scripture. But what I am called to do is to try to shepherd and guide and present the truth. Okay? I am not... And I understand this. I'm not, so to speak, the voice of God in that, you know, what I say is a message from God. I hold the message from God. And I dissect the message of God. And I try to break it down and I try to share it. You know, that's what a shepherd does in guiding people. That, that, that's what I'm about. So as I say this, I, I say that because in so many different situations, if you were to c come to me and say, you know, what should I do? Sometimes the answer, the only answer I have is I would say that you definitely, I got nothing. I, I don't have a definite thing. I think there are situations where we just need to take the principle of saying, how can I live redemptively here? What is the best way? Now, let's go back. Where did Jesus start? There's no what? No deceit. Okay? I can't compromise on the truth. I can't do that which is wrong to make it look better. And, and I also, the other thing I, I need to understand is just because I behave the right way does not always mean that the results are going to be what I anticipated, to be real honest. Jesus told the absolute truth. They crucified him. Okay? It's not always going to uh, go that way. But I want to challenge us that if you are a child of God who has been redeemed, that means you have been taken from a place where you were under the penalty of sin and you have been forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ and you have this new life, you have this 
redeemed life living inside of you that we are called then to live redemptively. And it is not a call that comes to pastors or elders or deacons only. It comes to all of us that we are to live redemptively in the world. We're looking for, hey, how can, I mean, this gives our life purpose. How can I live in such a way so that grace has an open door here? How can I live in such a way that will help? And and by the way, many times in, in in our lives when instead of doing that, you know, we're so proud of ourselves. I'm free and I can do what I want to do. And we stand up. What do we do? We drive people away. Okay. Think about, again, the example of Christ. And I am not, uh, I'm I'm struggling right now because I don't want to communicate to you, okay, in every situation, you just take whatever's coming. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Okay, I'm not saying that. Uh, I don't, because I don't think that is right scripturally, but I am challenging us that in every situation, I look and say, what would be the best way to live redemptively? And in many cases, many cases, I can absorb it. Okay, you say, well, that's not healthy, just absorbing pain, pain like that. When I can take it to Jesus and remember that he, that he bore it, I can absorb some pain. And that is a powerful testimony. Would you look at why Peter was writing here again? So that others will glorify God. Listen, um, I was listening to somebody, a pastor, I was listening to some sermons on Revelation um, this week because I think we, we may take a look at Revelation uh, in the coming months. And uh, actually, I thought, hey, that's one book. I don't, I've never gone through verse by verse since I've been here, and, and uh, you know, I don't want to ignore that in any way. But uh, he was talking about, he said, he said, hey, more than anything right now, you know, with the way things are going in the world, we need to look at what's happening and everything like that, and, and people are excited. And he's right. I mean, there's, there's an excitement about end times and, and interest in that. But the message that I would say is more than anything right now, people need Jesus Christ. They need to see redemptive living in, a, in us. And it is because of that new life that we have in him that we can live redemptively. Uh, I want us to leave with a song, so I'm going to ask uh, Trent and Adam and Jess, I guess, to come back up, and, and we're going we're gonna to sing again. Uh, first song we did good? A worship song. Worship, <laughs> worship song, we'll do that. But um, the, the invitation, if you will, is to, to recognize the purpose that God has given us in life, Okay. He has given us the purpose of living out this new life inside of us. And as we do that, what's, what's it for? Well, it's drawing other people to him. And I, we need to all embrace it, okay? We need to all embrace it. I'm not going to be where you're going to be tomorrow, okay? I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not going to be where you're going to be this afternoon unless you're going to the Wizard of Oz. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll all be there. I don't know. But uh, I'm not going to be there. So each one of us needs to understand this is what we're called to. Okay, Peter wasn't writing to a select group. He's writing to believers, and he's saying this. Hey, this is how we are to live now. We're to live because Christ has changed us. We, too, are to live redemptively. Let's stand together and praise him and sing. Father, as we walk oftentimes, just we feel like we're surrounded by darkness, Uh, remind us how much greater your light can shine in that darkness. And Lord, may we come back to our purpose. Lord, draw us back to that, that you have called us to be 
ambassadors for you. That you have caused us, called us to be that light. That you have caused us to live because we are redeemed. Because we can know forgiveness of sin. That we, you've called us to point other people in that direction. And Father, please take this admonition from Peter and Im- impact our lives, Lord. May we, you know, whatever your spirit has called us to this day that he wants to teach us. Uh, I ask for his continued working or not to let go of that. And Lord, I pray too. Lord, Lord, I just rambling a little bit here, but I pray that we're learning more and more to walk with you each day. So that this life, this new life in you, is growing and becoming more and more of a reality. That uh, others around us are drawn to this. And Lord, that they indeed might glorify you uh, someday. That they might come back to the shepherd. That they might be won over to you because of redemptive living, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.